Hello everyone and welcome to Sid's Foodcast, the food podcast where me and my guests talk about food, our love for food, and everything in the name of food. This is your host, Sid, and welcome to the show. For today's episode, we have Paolo and we talked about his pescatarian diet where he dabbled with vegetarianism, tea culture, and the tea ceremony. I hope you guys enjoy the show. <laughs> but oh can you tell me man i'm recording by the way can you just tell me what was your last meal before the podcast it's 6 50 right now uh my actual last meal before the podcast i got lazy and i just got pizza so i'm gonna talk about the one i had before that <laughs> pizza's fine man is it like um, fast food pizza is like a local yeah spot. i literally just you know i literally just got really lazy today because of the weather and i stayed in all day and i ordered some pizza hot so oh not a i'm not gonna talk about that everyone knows <laughs> everyone knows what pizza is yeah but you know sometimes you just get that itch. yeah well i got a domino's itch i don't get the pizza hut itch to each like, their own but yeah. yeah that's fair maybe you like you like um very thick crusts though I'm not a fan of that. Do you like I don't know what it is. Honestly, I think it's just that they put crack in the dough instead of flour. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. that was my, um, that was my, that was my uh, unsponsored shill. (laughs) Can you tell me an interesting, what was the most interesting last meal that you've had? Okay, so everyone's had pizza, probably. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's the delivery mm-hmm. food. It's the delivery food to end all delivery food. Mm-hmm. So let's let's not delve more into that. <laughs> the other day, um, I went to a great seafood spot here in Eugene, the Fisherman's Market, and I had some ling cod fish and chip, which is great. Oh, cod always works. But I heard cod is it's, great. it's overly fished, though. Yeah, so that's the great thing. Um, ling cod is a lot... It's pretty sustainable because it's a Pacific Coast fish and mm. the fisheries out here on the Pacific are some of the best managed out there, especially up in Alaska. Oregon does things pretty well, I'm pretty proud to say. And yeah, the lingcod fishery has the advantage of not being historically fished for centuries. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite as um it's not quite as um threatened as true cod are. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't and know the I different say, types of cods. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't think I do either. I didn't even know that they were different until I Wikipedia it. No, but yeah, ling cod's a good fish. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's firm. It's got a good flavor to it. It's like fishy, but not in the way that like people say they hate it when mm-hmm. things are it's fishy. fishy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you eat it and you're like, I'm eating a fish, not eating oh. a stack of wet paper towels. Oh, but I I'm a big fan of fish and chips. You know, it's I've had different sorts. I've had fish and chips here. Mm-hmm. I've had fish and chips in the Philippines as well. Um, it's just different, you know? Yeah. Um, I forgot what you, what's that term. Like when you open the fish and chips. Oh, it looks like angel's wings, you know, if you kind of open it. <laughs> that's, that's what they call it. sure I mean, does. Yeah, like it's, like it's not like pearly white, but it's flaky. You know, and then it looks like angels' feathers is up there. But if I'm going to have a legit fish and chips spot, then uh, hopefully it would be like a, like a, an English person would make a fish and, a fish and chip spot. Then For I sure. Think... Cause you, I mean, you can't beat that, you can't beat that beer batter. Yeah. But I just learned recently that fish and chips is not like a, well, it is a big thing in the UK, but curry is much more bigger than fish and chips. Oh, yeah. Which is <laughs> interesting when you get into it, when you mm-hmm. think about like the colonial roots that made that happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that, beca- that has become the most important, uh, not the most important, but the most well-known thing. If you go to London, it's not re- there's more curry spots than fish and chip spots. Yeah, and I mean... I might be wrong, but that's what I researched, but... (laughs) I mean, and curry's interesting because, you know, it spans literally, like, the whole Eurasian landmass. You've got, Mm -hmm. like, people in London doing it, their style, and then, of course, you've got, like, it originates out in, like, the Indian subcontinent, and then, like, the Japanese have their own whole way of doing it, which I know nothing about. Everyone has some sort of curry, you know? Yeah. Um, 
just because of whatever spices are available, then they use that one. And if it's spicy and then if it's like, it's not soupy, it's like gravy kind of consistency, then maybe yeah. we can call it curry. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, like the... where do you draw the curry line? <laughs> yeah, where, what, what do we call It's a question <laughs> that you should have someone else answer because I'm yeah. not qualified <laughs> to talk about that. Oh man, this is totally fine. And a lot of people have talked about their hot takes, even if they're not qualified. So do you have any hot takes for, about food, even if you don't have the qualifications for it? Uh, hot takes on food. Yeah, I have an example. A lot of people had beef when I say, um, I don't know if you, oh wait, you've, have you tried Sangyup Salamat? I have been a pescatarian for 11 years. Oh, 11 so, years? Have yeah. you heard of Sangyup Salamat? I have. Yeah, so a lot of people apparently like it, but I, I hate that. I hate Sangyup Salamat so much because it's just barbecue. It's not Korean barbecue. Is is it not? It's, okay, let me let me turn the questions framed. back on the hose. Um, what's, <laughs> okay. what's going on there? Oh, basically, it's it's that's why it's called Sangyup Salamat. It's it's supposedly a Korean barbecue spot. It has K-pop videos playing on the background. It has like everything that looks like a Korean restaurant, you know. But then when you eat the sangyupsal, it's just like it's barbecue, like Filipino barbecue. So everything's you know? Korean but the food. Everything's Korean but the food, and apparently you don't even see a lot of Koreans in sangyupsalaman. That is unfortunate. That's and people love it because I think it's just like it's they change the flavors to you know to kind of uh, like probably make it more Filipino, you know, to yeah. make to make sure that the masses could appreciate like you know Korean barbecue, but. That's why it's like, I feel like this is not Korean barbecue. It's good food, but it's not Korean barbecue. That's fair. Probably yeah. my hot take is that um, I was pescatarian for 11. I've been pescatarian for 11 years. Two of those years, I was straight up full vegetarian. And it was very hard to do that because I think the Philippines might be one of the hardest countries in Southeast Asia to be a vegetarian. <laughs> yes. I don't think that's a hot take. I think everyone... Everyone loves the meats. <laughs> yeah, but I will offset that by saying that that's pretty nice because if you look at a lot of the Filipino street food, they're making sure that like a lot of animal parts that would go to waste are not going to waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the... there's a lot of respect there. Mm -hmm. Least um, the least kosher country. <laughs> I can imagine, and um. I don't know if this is going to sound insensitive or not, but I'm kind of glad that I'm not the only one who has problems picking food out there. <laughs> right. But um, you can still work, you know, if you, you are into that. But yeah. have you, did you decide it because of health reasons or? Uh, no, it or... was all ethical stuff. Like, you know me, I love the animals. Mm -hmm. And um, couple of years ago back in 2009 my parents were taking a while in a cafe and I got bored and unfortunately a PETA magazine found its way into my young <laughs> head. Uh -huh. so then a couple google searches that should have been parentally sanctioned later I walk out of the bedroom and I'm like mom dad I'm a vegetarian now <laughs> and then what and to my credit I stuck to that fairly well for two years before I was like, nope, I can't do this anymore. I need shrimp. <laughs> and then but no, that... it was yeah, it was great though because um, as a kid, I was never really much of a seafood person. So the whole mm -hmm. pescatarian thing, uh, and being vegetarian really did force me to like look outside of my comfort zone for seafood uh -huh. for like just suitable food in general. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think my palate would be as like wide as it is now if it weren't mm -hmm. for like those right. couple of years. Because you're forced to explore with what you have. So exactly. that's yeah. food. So I don't I'm not sure if you were like a picky eater back then. But um again, if you are in a kind of a restrictive not not, not necessarily restrictive, it's not as restrictive as like like vegans, you know, but Oh, yeah. You get you get to play around with what you have. 
Yep. And and that's the concept with any type of restriction in general. Like if you are like vegan or if you're vegetarian or pescatarian or anything, you don't just, you know, the basic, the basic idea is, you know, you just eat fish and vegetables. That's it. You know, you can play it around, you know, make yep. something interesting, make, some, make something that's really out of the, out, out of the box or something. <laughs> yeah, and it, you really got to like, to find the spots that'll um, scratch that itch for you when it arises. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, my wife was pescatarian back then, but now she kind of just eats everything. I did, yeah, I I did try being vegetarian for a month. I stuck with it for a month just because I was bored. (laughs) Uh So, um, but um, I just can't, like, for me, I just can't have a restrictive diet, but I am aware of what I eat. Like, that's just basically the rule for me. Like, if right. I eat this, like, I know what's going to happen. You know, if I eat, like, a whole, like, three Big Macs or whatever fast food, I'm going to have diarrhea after. Right. You know, like, so am I, am I going to take the risk? Or or some, some sort, any kind of deci- decision when it comes to food, I will be you know aware oh is this is this is this sustainably um is this um produce or fish or whatever um made uh, make sure that it's sustainable or something like that yeah. or you know and at least just being aware of it because i am a lover of food <laughs> yeah and, and we want to make sure that whatever food we have is still around mm-hmm. that was and, part of why i went a pescatarian in the first oh sorry what were you saying Oh, no, 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 sorry. It's okay. That's, that's just basically knowing that you can appreciate everything. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, and making sure that the, the, the next generation can also still appreciate what we have. Right. You know? and, and yeah, that's part of why I went pescatarian in the first place. Because um, <laughs> I spent a lot of time in aquariums when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And like aquariums uh, for the last couple of years, they have been like the really big... Um, they've been lifting the banner for like sustainable seafood and stuff. They've been spreading all the awareness. Like most of the aquariums these days will only like serve sustainably harvested seafood. Like, I don't know if you've ever had the time to go all the way up to Monterey. No, no. But um, Monterey Bay Aquarium's like really, they developed a whole program from the ground up just to like Mm -hmm. work with fishery scientists and like tell you what the best choices you can make are. Mm-hmm. Um, like they'll tell you what the best methods for certain fish are. Like, mm-hmm. uh, if you're eating salmon, like farmed Atlantic isn't exactly the best way to go because they're like antibiotics that they use. Their reports have escaped from like farms that have caused mm-hmm. ecological damage. But if you're like harvesting wild salmon from the Pacific Northwest, for example, usually it's going to be a little bit more expensive on your end, but it's also just like, you're getting a cleaner fish. Mm-hmm. They ecologically. say it's really good. I haven't tried it though. Yeah. But also, uh, you got to admit, sometimes the Atlantic salmon, it's just a lot softer. So it's a guilty <laughs> pleasure for me. And if I do source it, I try to like make sure it's sourced from like a farm or from an area that's doing mm-hmm. it right. right. It's never going to be the best. But also, you know, we're not, we're not perfect people. Yeah. And still, you know, it's still salmon. At the very end of the day, there's def- definitely high quality salmon. But, you know, just because from coming from the knowledge of 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 preservation and making sure everything is sustainably done you get quality food at the very end of the day it's not like don't eat fish because that's physically impossible exactly for people they're not we're not gonna stop you like you know if if i'm a scientist and you know like and there's there's this problem we're not gonna stop you from eating fish because that's basically you can't do that because businesses will run dry um diets are physically you know altered yeah and but because of the background and the information that we have we get to learn how to make it sustainable and ultimately make the taste better (laughs) there you go (laughs) yeah and for my end um it's just my idea of just making sure that for selfish reasons i just want to try everything that i can like, yeah. I'm not I'm not an adventurous person, but I am an adventurous eater. There you go. So, yeah. So if that is my kind of like I'm not I'm not really 
like I'm the opposite of a picky eater. I'll definitely say if I don't like it, but I will yeah. definitely try it once. There you go. Except if it's like, except it's like if it's endangered or something, I'm not going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it as yeah. a marine biology student. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if it's um, if it's exotic, sure, I'll try that one. And weird, definitely, I'll try that one. But if it's endangered, then I won't try that. Yeah. Because you know? there's a difference between if it's weird, exotic, or if it's actually endangered, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's yeah. my that's my line for that. I'll try er- anything and everything except if it's like, you know, poison or <laughs> or it's endangered. <laughs> well, uh, in line with that, I do have a couple of seafood suggestions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a whole bunch of fish that were never on they were on my radar for a while, but they were never on my menu before I came out to Oregon. Because honestly, this, this coast out here on the U.S. has a lot of real weird fish, and <laughs> a lot of them cook up real good. <laughs> really? Yeah, um, rockfish is one of them. I never expected to l- really like rockfish, because honestly, they're not the prettiest fish in the ocean, conventionally. I think rockfish. I think they're gorgeous, but yeah. <laughs> it's they're, they're really cool. I, I like them. I've only had them a couple times, but like they're pretty firm um clean flavor cooks up pretty good i want to try doing one 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 of these days i want to try doing it uh, salt baked mm-hmm. you know where you just like build up that whole like little salt uh-huh. oven around the fish i tried that over christmas last year with some bronzino and it turned out fantastic <laughs> oh my god uh just the cooking methods with fish they get for- out there yeah, yeah. i mean like, depending on what part of the world you're in yeah yeah it extends as far as just not cooking the fish. Right. And even for even for us in the Philippines, when we talk of fish, it's basically with soup-based or fried. But, um, but when I did my research with Malaysia, with India, there's a lot of fish yeah. curries out there. Like really I've, nev- I've never heard or seen like like that kind of idea i haven't physically seen it but um yeah uh, it's really really interesting you know spicy fish (laughs) that's not like you know that's 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 been drenched with curry sauce i want to try that one oh yeah i've had fish curry i haven't had like authentic fish curry but Mm -hmm. yeah it's a good one (laughs) anyway (laughs) <laughs> um, another good one for you. Uh, I don't know if you've tried sablefish, other names, uh, black cod. It's, oh, black cod. I think I did. I yeah, think black I cod, some of the best stuff I've had out there. Cause like, it just cooks up so soft and tender. <laughs> like they literally call it butterfish. It's that good. <laughs> Cause it's like butter. <laughs> yeah, man. Like it's amazing stuff. And it's good, you know, cause you get to explore what you have, you know, because you're not, you don't eat poultry or meat. Yeah. So you get to figure out with what you have. Man, yeah. You and get... rockfish and uh, black cod, both very sustainable. They mm-hmm. take good care of them out here on the Pacific coast. <laughs> Man, that's some, probably one of the things that I will definitely have to try if I go to Oregon. No, I'm yeah, pretty honestly, sure they I'm have pretty, it here. Yeah, you can but, find it out there, honestly. Yeah, but I only eat with what we have, so like my my dad does That's the fair. groceries. So <laughs> I mean, then again, you are out there on the beach. Uh huh. And they and he just fishes some of them. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do a, a do a Yelp search for the for the closest fishmonger. Yeah, and he has a fishing license, so he can literally fish. Oh shit. Yeah. You can literally fish and we have it for dinner. <laughs> nice. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I don't know where he fishes though, but yeah, you just get a permit. I think it's like a yearly permit for you to fish and you can only fish certain types of fishes. Yeah. And then we eat it. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting to me how much um, of a recreational aspect there is here in the States with, when it comes to food. Mm-hmm. Like you can fish, you can hunt, you can garden. And there's just such a, there's just such a like connection that you have to your food as a result. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're literally taking their lives, and it sounds so morbid, but it's also some sort of like appreciation to it. Yeah, I know, like um, I know, like some 
um, Buddhists that are not vegetarian, that they kind of, they pray over like the life of that they took, right. you know, whether it's like a plant or a fish or whatever. I don't know yeah. if, if vegetarian Buddhists pray for the harvest. I'm not sure. Yeah. But. <laughs> Neither do I. No, but yeah. Um, I think that was a big turning point for me too when I um, decided to like give up the whole vegetarian flag. It was just kind of um, one, I wanted to like reintroduce seafood to my diet because I wanted to like get more sustainable with it and I felt like um, being vegetarian was mostly ethical, but part of it was also environmental. And I think I thought that the like most logical way to continue that to like jump back into like consuming animal products mm -hmm. was to do it in a way where like I had the resources to know whether what I'm eating is sustainable. Right, man. But a, but a quick question: if, if vegetarian, they eat dairy products. But if you're pescatarian, do you eat dairy products? Uh, yeah. I think it really differs with everyone. So I don't oh, okay. think you can really like blanket it. Cause there are some people who will eat like fish and stuff because it's fine with them and they'll omit dairy, but sometimes it'll be more for health reasons. Sometimes it'll just be cause like they're lactose intolerant or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then some people will be fine with eating fish for ethical reasons, but won't be fine with like consuming dairy for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's like totally respectable. Did you eat consume eggs when you were vegetarian? Yeah, I can't live without like eggs and dairy. So um, <laughs> vegan never crossed my mind. It was never on the radar. <laughs> that being said, though, I do enjoy a vegan meal every once in a while. You have a couple great vegan spots here in YouTube. Uh -huh, because it's good, man. There's yeah. Some that are really, really good. I would say sometimes even better than me. Right? They do some yeah. wizardry with it. I don't know how they do it, man, but I had a vegan burger. I've I mentioned this in a different podcast. And it's still so good, so flavorful, that yeah. it's still better than, like, burgers out there with, using yeah. meat. Because, I mean, there are two schools of veggie burger right now. There's mm -hmm. the one that's, like, trying to be, like, a, there's one that's trying to be a veggie burger. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's a satisfying this patty that you can fry up and put in a sandwich mm -hmm. and you'll bite into it and you'll like you'll see the beans you'll see like corn kernels or whatever it is and you'll taste the spices and you'll be like yes this is satisfying but then there are the guys who are like okay we're gonna like, like frankenstein this shit <laughs> and it works yeah. i mean impossible and beyond they're doing some like black magic stuff out there oh no man it, when i ate my the burger the juices were flowing and it was so good. It was like vegan cheese. It was just the texture yeah. was there. I it wasn't pretending to be meat is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Um. Uh, and it was just so good. It was a pub burger, so the the patty was thick. Uh huh. Yeah. But there so are the ones that will pretend to be meat and actually knock it out of the park. Yeah. But like, like they're ju just trying to kind of imitate the flavor of meat but there are others like you don't have to pretend that it's we know it's not meat yeah. but i'd still eat it it's just a disc-shaped piece of food that just happens to be made of beans or lentils or whatever mm -hmm. and another thing that i tried was a mushroom burger basically it was just a huge mushroom like like a small plate like that i don't know what kind of mushroom it is but like my dad just used one big mushroom and put onions and cheese and it's so good. It's good so stuff. good. I don't know what kind of mushroom it was, but it tasted like meat for sure. It, yeah. it wasn't like vegan. It wasn't made by like a vegan company. It was just a mushroom. I, I yeah. need to know what kind of mushroom that is because it was so good. Could have been a... Honestly, who knows? Could have been a portobello. I don't know. Those don't are like know. pretty thick and like those it's, have like a similar texture. Maybe it's just really big, like this big. I don't know if you can imagine that. that I can imagine. Yeah, I see some huge mushrooms around lately. Yeah. Just... Honestly, why not experiment with it? Go out, like, pick out some mushrooms next time you're out. I don't mean like going <laughs> to the forest and pick some mushrooms because that can that can end very I mean, badly. Yeah, that could be very poisonous. Like, if you're at like the farmer's market and you see one of those like uh -huh. mushroom stalls, mm -hmm. yeah. Be like, hey, which of these these do you think someone would use in a burger? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, I need to know what that is because it was so good. You know, it could beat out a minute burger any day or any cheap ass burger. But yeah, um, I why I wanted to jump in this conversation with you because you wanted to. Um, for people who don't know you, um, you are well with the background that you've said. You were very big with fish, yeah, to say the least. You know. Um, and even your Instagram handle says so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you're very, very big with fish. Uh, follow me at Marine Biology. Mm-hmm. It's and... a, it's a dumb little username, but it's one that I haven't changed since 2016, so I stop now. <laughs> and that was your college program in, in the Philippines, right? In San Carlos. What, what were Still you is, studying? Yeah. Marine were Biology. You, marine Biology, right? Yep. And now in Oregon, you're still studying. I'm wrapping it up. Yep. Marine biology. At least did the credits um, were. Um... Oh, thank God! Yeah, most of them did. I have. I uh -huh. just. I've been doing a little work with like the um, with the various advising offices to get some of the credits like transferred where they need to be. Uh -huh. But most of the credit itself did transfer over. Like uh -huh. they accepted it. Uh, all right. So like yeah. It's just matching it up to certain things in the curriculum so that uh, <laughs> they can check off certain requirements is done. That's good. I'm not taking calculus. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So he, for people who are listening, he's very big on fish. Uh, that's just dumbing it down. But again, he has this huge, um, intimate to say the least, intimate relationship when it comes to, um, um, seafood, sea life. Um, sustainable. You make me sound like that guy from The Simpsons, Troy McClure. <laughs> no, but yeah, but um, and other thing that I do know about Paulo is when we were part of a spoken spoken word group. So that's where I got to know him. And one interesting thing that he does, because he does a lot of things, was he posted something on Instagram about tea. So he and he decided to you know, you know um, when we were talking about like what are the things that we could talk about in this podcast is we can talk about tea, and I did have one conversation with tea, with in oh. a previous podcast about tea ceremonies in general, because he was he went to a Buddhist temple he and he actually did a tea ceremony said it was excruciatingly, excruciatingly boring but well but very very impactful and it's just it's he said it was very hard yeah it was very hard for him because i think the concept of it is to be in the moment yeah would you know um like whether this was like a japanese style of like brewing or like china i know i think it's chinese Ah, okay, yeah, because honestly, yeah, um, Chinese Gong Fu style brewing, which has the same, like, etymology as Kung Fu, mm -hmm. so it's actually kind of funny, because, you know, those are two very different things, uh, martial arts versus brewing, but <laughs> right. you have that same, you have to have that same, like, control over um, your movement, you have mm -hmm. to have that same just kind of mindfulness and yes. like, attention to what your body's doing mm -hmm. in relation to, like, what I you're working with. It's, it's again you can correct me if i'm wrong but what he was saying was they do these things deliberately slow and taking as much time it could take i think it's like hours because it's basically training the monkey off your mind or i don't know what was i forgot the expression of it you know our mind is like there's like a monkey inside our mind it's like it's basically very very busy and it's training to remove that busyness and being in the now. And that's right. why like you feel so frustrated, like, oh, why is he pouring it so slow? And, and you have a lot of thoughts in your mind. And then suddenly, you know, you're just focusing on what you're doing. And then you're in a state of bliss, I assume. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's one discussion we had. And another discussion we had was how tea kind of, you know, uh, started a lot of wars and colonialization and slavery yeah. in general so yeah honestly a like, lot of people die today, <laughs> yeah even today there's a little bit of um politicking going on with tea mm -hmm. um especially in like over the darjeeling tea that they produce in india oh. which is one of the like 
one of the best black teas that you'll mm-hmm. ever have. Yes, so tea, a lot of people died because of tea. A lot of wars started because of tea. A lot of countries and territories, that were, they were colonized because of tea, so. Yeah, well, a lot of wars started because <laughs> of oil, but it's still in our cars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and coffee. <laughs> yeah. Were there but, coffee wars? Um, There was a lot of... Uh, um, oh well, I guess there's like even trades. if it's not exactly war, yeah, there's you know, a lot of like sketchy stuff going on. Yeah, like the, the Dutch colonies were made because of coffee. There you go. Oh, no, the, no, they brought coffee in Indonesia, although basically a lot in African countries and in Indonesia. Yeah, there yeah. was still a lot of sketchy things going on with with coffee as well. <laughs> it's a little bit of the opposite in t- regards to tea. Um, Kenya is producing a lot of tea right now, and a lot of the really big farms and producers coming out of Kenya are like owned by the workers. They're organic. It's oh, good. And they're out there producing some interesting stuff that people haven't had. There's a really interesting tea cultivar that's coming out of Kenya right now. It's purple tea. Purple and tea? It's mm. a partly oxidized. It's a oxidized a little bit more than green tea. And the specific cultivar has like those pigments in it that when you squeeze oh. a lemon or put some acid into it, it, it changes color. Like, yeah, it turns purpley. Oh, nice. So I is it safe to assume you're big in tea and big on tea? Like you love I, tea? I think so, yeah. I still have a lot to learn, but I think that's a lot of the fun. Okay, so when did this interest start? Specifically the tea ceremony. The one that uh, you posted. This well, was Japanese, really, right? This is Japanese. Yeah, the one that I was talking to you about uh, mm-hmm. with the poetry guys was the Japanese tea ceremony. Um, but I've never actually experienced that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my interest in tea really goes back to like 2016 when I just bought a couple samples of loose leaf while I was on vacation in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Not the best place in the world to get your tea from, but <laughs> it was good enough. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, I got mm-hmm. home. I um, and before that, I'd only ever done um two kinds of tea: Starbucks ice or just out of a bag. Mm-hmm. Lipton but, tea. <laughs> yeah, I bought a proper uh tea infuser and a tea pitcher. I learned a little bit. Uh, I have a buddy of mine who taught me a whole lot about tea, and I just kind of went from there. And mm-hmm. over time, you kind of evolve from like the Kivana loose leaf. And you kind of just get into what you like. Because mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a big world of tea. And like, mm-hmm. everything's just kind of different. Yeah, and tea, like, you know, every, way, every place all around the world has some sort of tradition or their own method when it comes to preparing tea. Yep. Even the word tea is, you know, it's either tea or cha. So yep. it's, <laughs> and then you have like the herbal teas, which aren't technically tea at all, but that's um Oh they're not tea, really? Uh the word like, oh, tea the one... okay. specifically should refer to just stuff that comes off the tea plant. So like white wow. tea, green tea, black tea, oolong tea. And I guess mm-hmm. now purple tea. Mm-hmm. And anything that you get out of it, um out of a different plant, like chamomile, lavender, uh Rui boss. Um, I probably butchered that word. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that, um, it's an herbal, it's an herbal infusion or the really fancy word if you want to get like vocabulary with it is tisane. Oh, and it's basically called tea because the methods and preparations is just like how you yeah. do it. It's a uh, hot leaf juice. So it's, oh. <laughs> it's an interesting way of how language evolves. Hot leaf juice. Why do I remember Uncle Iroh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This I isn't mean, tea. This is just hot leaf juice. <laughs> and that is technically something you could say about even the best cup of chamomile. It's not <laughs> technically tea. It's hot leaf juice. <laughs> but it's good hot leaf juice. Uh, but yeah, I tend I, I like to stick to like the camellias myself just because uh, like out of just the same type of plant, you could just get so many different like mm-hmm. flavor profiles just depending on like how you treat the leaves, whether they're on the plant or already picked off it. Like in Japanese green tea, um, it's great because people flock to it because it just gives you that floral kind of- It's different. Yeah. But if you treat it wrong, like it'll taste like- It's gonna be bitter. 
it won't just go bitter on you. It'll taste like seaweed and lawn clippings. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not in the fun way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and like, I am a big fan of matcha. Yeah, definitely. Matcha is a great one. And matcha is um, really what you think about when you talk about the Japanese tea ceremony. Mm-hmm. And it's the so green. It's the it's color gorgeous. is fun. Gorgeous, yeah. Just looking at the color, like, ooh. It's either you love it or you think that it's vomit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've never really had strong opinions on matcha, but um, I mean. I know, I know a lot of people are matcha stuff. lovers, but I know someone was actually a matcha hater. Like hmm. when they like they don't like matcha Kit Kats, matcha tea, anything matcha. They feel like it's weird. I don't I I didn't ask why, but they don't like yeah. it. I like matcha, I like chai a lot. I've tried some authentic chai. I love it. I've tried Starbucks chai. I I still love it. You know, it's okay. Yeah. It'll scratch yeah, it'll scratch the itch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, chai is great because, I mean, chai is just another word for tea. Yeah. <laughs> it just derived from cha. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And even here uh, in the Philippines, cha is from... Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of stuff in the Philippines, it's either going to come from a Chinese or Spanish root. Mm-hmm. Right. And in this case, it's the former, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um... We were, we're going to go to um, why you did the Japanese tea ceremony, but I remembered how there's a lot of tea cultures out there, very, very big tea cultures, because it could be for religious reasons or like spiritual reasons, like the Japanese, the, uh, yeah. you know, the Chinese. Actually, that, that, is a, that is a good point for uh-huh. me to like, jump into something really interesting that I like about tea and just how it kind of like, connects to the human soul. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think that the Chinese tea ceremony is really about um, mindfulness. So the brewer is getting a lot out of it. And like also the people who are like being served the tea. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a similar theme that you find in the Japanese tea ceremony. But the Chinese tea ceremony places, to my knowledge, I could be getting this completely wrong. Mm-hmm. But like this is something I've experienced because I've never actually like witnessed or partaken in a Japanese tea ceremony, but I've seen a lot of like Chinese gong fu brewings. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very um, tight with their brewing times. It's very, it's gong fu. Uh, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. I think is like a very rough translation from the Chinese. <laughs> but um, when when you look at the Japanese tea ceremony, it's like everything it involves, the matcha whisk, that little um, mm-hmm. water, that little scoop for the hot water there's an element to it of self-sacrifice and service and it's and elegant it looks beautiful exactly just it looks just so difficult <laughs> yeah and it's a right in and of itself so mm-hmm. that's something really interesting is that one of my favorite tea facts is that when the when the practice of christianity was banned in japan mm-hmm. um japanese christians who were like practicing underground or like couldn't afford to like you know to be prosecuted for that would actually <laughs> perform, yeah, mm-hmm. they would perform the Japanese tea ceremony for each other as sort of a proxy rite in place of the Eucharist. Oh, because it has such similar themes of like right. self-service and giving part of yourself mm-hmm. to the people who you're with. Mm-hmm. Instead of instead of the body and blood of Christ with bread and wine, it could be tea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, tea could be Jesus Christ, you know, yeah. in the Holy Eucharist. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's just one aspect to it, you know. Exactly. There could be religious, spiritual, and then we have tea, big tea cultures due to colonialization and um, basically exploitation, yeah. you know, like, you know, from the UK back then. You know, they're very big. It's a big tea drinking country and that's mm-hmm. why we have you know it's there's always tea time in the UK so you have that and then and I always go, go back to the Philippines and how I can't really pinpoint of what our tea culture is ultimately the only thing that I have is a milk tea culture <laughs> that's the one that we have yeah <laughs> but not necessarily a tea culture um, 
I think we're more of a co coffee country, though. Than Definitely. And I really appreciate a lot of the stuff that goes into coffee, but mm -hmm. I don't, um, it gives me indigestion, so I've never been <laughs> able to explore it too much. And frankly, I'm happy with my tea. That's my main caffeine mm -hmm. fix. Uh, right. And that's, again, just, just putting it into perspective of what we have in the country is, um, I think it's more on what we have and what's available. I think coffee was just bigger there, yep. even if there was a lot of Chinese and influence coffee was just bigger because sure. I, I don't know maybe it came from indonesia and then it transferred to the philippines because we have we have now barako but um yeah i wish that we have some sort of i don't know like maybe just like some sort of spiritual connection to tea but the only connection we have is you know serenity and <laughs> I, I know for a fact there are a couple of independent distributors of loose leaf in the Philippines who mm. are really um who are trying to change the game as far as that's concerned that's good but right. yeah that just takes a couple like google searches loose leaf tea near me etc <laughs> yeah I just I just think that we are just a coffee drinker not necessarily a tea. I think so and I think that the milk tea and tea are two very different drinks yeah, and I think it's it's a, it's in its own game, you know, it's its own category. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully I, we can get tea, milk tea right too, because yeah, I've had some very good <laughs> boba in my time. Mm -hmm. Although um, a lot of people who hear this might crucify me for it, but I was in Taiwan for a few days last year, and mm -hmm. I did not take a sip of milk tea, but I had a lot of like loose leaf. Really, you're you're in milk tea country, man. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you. They are milk tea country because they're also tea country. And yeah, I got to say, true. Taiwan produces some of the finest tea I have ever had. Oh. <laughs> Taiwan oh. produces some of the finest tea I have ever had. Man. Like uh, this mug just now before I came on, before I got on the call, this was just full of a Taiwanese Kiguanian oolong, <laughs> which is just a wonderful tea. It's uh, lightly roasted. It's got little notes of like, it's almost like coffee. It's got a little bit of like raisin notes and like mm -hmm. almost a chocolate undertone to it. It's great. Oh man, I should expand my tea knowledge. Again, I just, I appreciate a good matcha. I appreciate chai. I like if it's like um, from a bag, I really like um, jasmine, earl grey, the typical stuff. Yeah. yeah. Something I like to smell. recommend to people um, if, their if their preferences lie towards things like green tea and especially jasmine mm -hmm. want to like get into some of the more like i don't know what the word is some of the more classical loose leaf cultivars mm -hmm. um baochong which is a very lightly oxidized oolong tea uh, the oolong. most the most um famous producer of it is uh wenchan which is in the pinglin area of taiwan mm -hmm. but that's all getting into semantics it's a very good tea. It can stand up to a pretty heavy brewing, so you don't need to like, it's not like one of those teas you cannot take your eyes off or else it'll yeah, like, like. It's time sensitive. It's not time yeah. sensitive. Right. Oh, man. Great I, stuff. I, again, I've just tried milk tea in Taiwan, but when I get back there, I'll definitely try some tea. Yeah, the Maokong <laughs> district, where you have to like take the gondola up the mountain. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and you can find tea there too? Oh, absolutely. It's one, It's probably the best place like in Taipei proper if you want to take a tea tour. Mm -hmm. Aside from, um, what is that one street? I forget. Yongkang. Yongkang has a lot of good tea shops. Okay, man, I have to take this down. I have to remember, I have to, to take note of this. Oh, yeah. man, expanding this tea knowledge. And again, it's thousands of years of history when it comes yeah, to tea. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, these types of stories are really, really interesting for me. And one of the main reasons why I decided to have this podcast, um, not necessarily to talk to experts, but just for people who appreciate a good certain type of food or drink or whatever. There you go. Yeah. But do you have a, you know, besides this knowledge of, of tea or in food in general, do you have like a personal, um, like relationship when it comes to tea, just like what you had with with um, with fish or sea sea life in general. Um, 
I definitely was it just... helped me build a lot of friendships. Like I've met a lot of people through it, and it's okay. helped me grow, grow closer to a lot of my friends. Oh. But um, as for that, like really personal connection to it, I I think that's just something I'm really building. It's something that I build whenever I sit down with a couple of friends and like make a cup of tea for them because, you know, a lot of us we've just been on the the bag stuff for so long, mm-hmm. or we've been on milk tea that. I really appreciate the opportunity to get to like brew just a pot of leaf juice for someone, you know, mm-hmm. just that, just get your water temperature right, uh, keep an eye on your timer, and you can make a really good cup of tea that's really special to someone. Mm-hmm. Right, and you create these memories because, yeah. of, you know, can we, you know, can we have a cup of tea with, the, with you know, just the two of us? Something like that, you know, yeah. instead of like, you want to go get coffee? You know, you want to go get tea? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. like I did mention it before in my previous podcast, like a lot of hearts were are broken because oh, over a cup of coffee, a lot of relationships started because of a cup of coffee. There you go. That also happens. When it's it's got a lot of power. <laughs> Something, yeah. And there's like a lot of people, a lot of things people just don't really realize about tea. Like, um, I'm going to just go off the path for a bit and like share a couple fun facts about mm-hmm. tea leaves. Uh, Lipton tea leaves and a lot of like the stuff that's in bags, um, it's basically just leaves that have been oxidized to like the breaking point and then they just get into dust. And the point of that is just get your really strong cup that just brews in no time. Mm-hmm. And if you have tea leaves that are like loose leaf and you still have the whole leaf in there, mm-hmm. a lot of people will just like toss that out after a couple infusions, but you can get like, I've had cups that go up to like, I've gotten 10 mugs out of a single like teaspoon of tea leaves. Really? Yeah. It's that um, powerful, huh? You just gotta <laughs> respect your leaves. Yeah. Yeah, And know your leaves. Because exactly. you you would know shit and what to do with it if you don't know <laughs> anything about it. Plus, if no know, knowing about these things and researching researching about this, again, it's it may sound so trivial or sound so um, like pretty much useless. Because you know what, you would think it's just a cup of tea, but then the benefits that you have and just having this knowledge of doing a certain type of dish or drink could create a lot of interesting conversations with interesting people yes you can yeah you don't need to just talk about your work during a date you can talk about how hot leaf juice is interesting (laughs) that's my take (laughs) you know life is not just about work you know learn about your tea learn about i don't know gardening or your food yeah it helps a lot you know and makes you appreciate it even more it definitely helps to have something to like take your mind off stuff mm-hmm. you sometimes have... yeah sometimes the best uh, remedy to when you've read so much that your brain can't take anything else go read about some other topic yeah sounds counterproductive yeah. but it works uh-huh and at least you have a conversation starter you know when you're meeting someone new and you, you're drinking a cup of tea yeah. You know, they just don't sound douchey about it. <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm never going to shame someone for drinking a cup of milk tea or for, like, plop, just plopping a bag of Lipton into their hot water. Yeah, like, I'm never going to shame that? you for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I just hope that people are also open-minded enough about it to try something new, too. Mm-hmm. Share, man. Not necessarily shame another person for drinking uh, tea from Starbucks or somewhere i mean i still do it yeah me too the green tea lemonade is my go-to mm-hmm. for me is chai tea latte it's and even it's even a latte <laughs> chai, i mean yeah <laughs> there's a lot of linguistics that goes into the term um chai milk tea latte yeah because chai is tea <laughs> latte is milk <laughs> i don't know it's starbucks you know what do you what do yeah. you know but yeah thank you so much man there's a lot of tea culture tea knowledge that i've learned yeah uh, from this conversation but again what i didn't expect was um a lot of in-depth knowledge when it comes to um seafood again i thought you just love fish so much but not necessarily 
you know, when it comes to yeah, food. Yeah, well, it comes with the territory. Yeah. And yeah, I learned that one from you. So thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. man. I've, I've eaten some interesting fish and I've also like, I've also had a couple interesting fish as, you know, part of my life as my pets. And if you think that is strange, just remember, fish eat fish. <laughs> There's a whole lot of them out there. You can't just draw a line. Mm-hmm. Fish eat fish. Like if you don't eat fish, dude, the fish even eat fish. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, sure. Fish are friends, not food. It's fine for your goldfish or for your beta. I love betas. But, um, you know, you know who's not going to listen to that? The fish. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> not going to listen to a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, that's just, that's my last little nugget of wisdom. Mm-hmm. If you right. can call it that. <laughs> Anyways, Paulo, if you could have any meal right now, right now, whether you tried it before or you haven't tried it. Takoyaki. Takoyaki. I miss there's if there's one thing i miss about the philippines it is that easy access to like such good like asian food hot plate of takoyaki you say it man for real i mean i have I mean, yeah i mean i could go to los angeles but not over here and i know that los angeles has a great korea town but mm-hmm. and we have some pretty good korean spots out here too Mm-hmm. But man, sometimes that tapaki man craving just hits you. <laughs> right. I miss Cebu so much. Mm-hmm. Takoyaki, okay. For Paulo, it's takoyaki. All right. So where can they find you? Any interesting things that maybe people can look over for your Instagram or anything interesting coming up? Like, or you want to shout out for? Other- uh, you could find me on Instagram. Yeah, uh, Marine Biology. It's mm-hmm. like it's like marine biology, but, but with the word bay, bay, which went out of style <laughs> three years ago, and I'm too stubborn to change it. Okay. Uh-huh. Any shout outs to anyone? No. Um I'm very inactive on Instagram, but I recently resurfaced because I carved a jack-o'-lantern for <laughs> the group I volunteer with in Oregon, the Cascades Raptor Center. So if you're ever in Oregon, come see some neat birds up at Cascades. Or right. we have like 40 resident birds of prey and they're all wonderful okay man all right got a couple of fish eaters too (laughs) okay thank you thank you so much man thank you absolutely yeah thank you for having me Mm -hmm. hold on and